The Pellicle Podcast is sponsored by the wonderful folks at Rode Microphones. We've used Rode mics to make this podcast since our very first episode. I'm a big fan of the NT1, their vintage voice studio condenser, which we use for our voiceovers and narration. Recently, I've also turned to their reporter handheld mic, which is perfect for capturing interviews in the field. This introduction is being recorded using their best-selling NT-USB Mini, plus a little EQ and compression. It's a brilliant little USB mic that's perfect for improving your audio, especially your video calls. You just stick it on your desk, plug in your headphones, and sound more like you're in a studio. The NT-USB Mini is available now, and it's just £99 RRP. Go check it out at Rode.com. Thanks again to Rode, and now, it's on with the show. Hiya, welcome back to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm Matthew Curtis. How are you doing? So today I've got a really interesting, exciting episode. An episode that came to me fortuitously when I was contacted by the guys at Bundobust. Now, if you don't know what Bundobust is, it's a restaurant. I guess it's a chain of restaurants that originated in Leeds, but now has sites in Manchester and Liverpool and is in the process of opening its fourth site which is also going to be in Manchester, except it's going to have a little difference to the other restaurants in that it's got a brewery inside it. And I went to visit this new site, which is going to be open in a couple of months to meet the founders of Bundabust, Mayur Patel, Marco Husak, and their new head brewer, Dan Hocking, to see how the site's coming along and taste the beers and then have a chat to them about what their plans are for the brewery. You'll hear that in a few moments' time. But first, before we get into that, I always like to talk about what I've been up to and what's been happening. The first thing I want to talk about, if you listen to the last episode, I mentioned that the beer industry is going through a bit of a reckoning in terms of revelations of sexism and sexual harassment and toxic workplace culture. And at some point, I'm going to dig in on this podcast, or I'm going to have some interviews with people involved with that and expand on that topic, because it's really important that that conversation keeps going. But It'll be a while before I get to that, but there's a fantastic episode of the food program on BBC Radio 4, which you can listen to on their podcast, hosted by Jager Wise. Jager, you might know, she is the head brewer at Wildcard Brewery in North London, but she also does a lot of broadcasting and she pulls no punches in this show. It's a must listen. What's really interesting is it doesn't just look at the beer industry, it looks at the wine industry. And it looks at the spirits industry, specifically whiskey, in terms of the people it interviews. And it doesn't just talk to women, it does question a couple of men. I'm not going to name the men on this podcast, but I will encourage you to listen to that because my feeling after listening to it is that there's a lack of ownership. You know, explaining away poor behaviour as free speech, that's, that's bullshit, isn't it? I'll let you listen to it. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes because I think it's really important that it's shared and listened to by as many people as possible, especially you guys listening to the show. I really encourage you to spend half an hour with it. If you're going to spend an hour with a Pellicle podcast, then you can definitely spend half an hour with a bit of BBC. I've been out and about a bit as well. I went to Leeds the other weekend. I had tickets booked for a beer festival, Hop City, hosted by Northern Monk, and I'd booked a hotel. And the festival was cancelled because... The unlocking or the easing of measures was pushed back. Not far enough, in my opinion, but, you know, it is what it is. But the festival was cancelled, but I had this trip booked. So I thought, why not go anyway? I went off to Leeds and had a lovely time with a mate of mine. And we got around some fantastic bars and breweries. We went to the Northern Monk Refectory where they had some of the beers pouring that would have been at the festival. I was particularly enamoured to drink some beer from The Answer, a brew pub in Richmond, Virginia. I've never been to Richmond, Virginia in the US, but I'd love to go. But I really enjoyed drinking their beers. We went to North Breweries, City Tap, and then on to Brownhill & Co., which is a fantastic bar, which has like a Belgian cafe feel. They do table service normally, so it just feels great in there. I love the vibe. 
We went to this place called Assembly Underground, which is kind of like a street food market, has great beer. I really enjoyed it in there. It was quite busy to the point where I felt a little bit uncomfortable, but our table was quite far away from people and, you know, I'd had a few beers, so I was a little bit more relaxed. But then I finished the evening in North Bar. The North Bar is the original craft beer bar in the UK. It's one of my favourite places to have a drink. I love it in there. And we closed it out till like two. It was brilliant. I had some Orval, I had some tequila, because they do a lovely tequila and verdita, little uh, coriander and lime juice shot to refresh the palate afterwards. But yeah, I went to Leeds, which is one of my favourite places to go for a few drinks. And it was really nice to be back. And I've got a few more trips booked. I've also got something exciting coming up this week, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm off to Lewis, another one of my favourite places, home of Harvey's Brewery, home of Burning Sky Brewery in the nearby village of Furl, who I'm going to visit. I'm going to make a beer with them called The Broad Spectrum of Joy, which is the title of the first chapter in my new book, Modern British Beer. Now that book's going to be out on August the 12th. And so I'm brewing a beer that is going to accompany that launch. And it's just going to be on general sale in keg and can. So you'll be able to get hold of it. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully doing some events where that beer pours. But more so, I'm more excited about brewing this beer just to celebrate the launch of this book. It's a big moment for me. And because of that, I did sit down and think, if I could brew a beer with any brewer in the UK, who would it be? And the answer came to me very quickly. It was Burning Sky. I love what they do so much. I reached out to their founder, Mark Tranter. And he said, yes, it's going to be all English malt, Marisotta pale and extra pale malt with a little bit of spelt. So spelt is a heritage grain, it's not barley. That should add a nutty dryness, making it super drinkable. And then it's going to be hopped with some of my favourite US hop varieties. So it will be bittered with Magnum, which is a German variety, which is good for giving it a really robust West Coast style bitterness. But then we will use Simcoe, Amarillo and Mosaic. I love Simcoe and Amarillo in particularly the way they play off each other, sort of mango and orange. So it's going to be a West Coast pale ale. We're going to shoot for about 5.4%. So you can drink a pint of it. It'll be robust enough to have really prominent fruit flavours. And then the spelt should add that dryness, that sort of moorishness to the end of the beer. So I'm off to brew that this week. It's a bit scary out there getting the train down, but I've resolved to do it. I work from home, so I don't see a lot of people. Getting out and doing a bit of travel, it's good for me. And I look forward to that. And don't forget, you can pre-order Modern British Beer now. That's out on August the 12th. I haven't got a physical copy yet. It's still at the printers. So I'm chomping at the bit to get hold of my first copy. Anyway, let's move on to today's show. As I said, we're going to speak to Mayur Patel, Marco Husak and Dan Hocking from Bundo Bust, which is one of my favourite restaurants. It was established in Leeds in 2014. And I had my first experience not too long after they opened, just going out for beers in Leeds. And I still remember the first things I ordered off the menu. The first was Belpuri, which is like a cold, savoury snack that has puffed rice, vegetables and tamarind sauce and coriander. And it's just like this lovely little refreshing, almost salady, but like a crunchy, crispy salad. And I had that with the paneer tikka, which is my favourite bondobus dish, which is skewers of mushroom and paneer cheese grilled over charcoal and then covered in spicy sauce and mint sauce. And it's just unbelievable. But I go to Bundabus quite often because I find their restaurants really accessible. They always have delicious beer on and it's good value. If I'm out in town and I'm like, oh, I've not eaten it's lovely to pop in there and you can spend 10, 15 pounds and have a couple of dishes and a beer and keep you going. But it's also great to go with friends and just order as much as you can from the menu because it is incredibly vibrant and delicious food. I'm a huge fan of Bondobus and their food. But the next stage in their development is really exciting and that's why I went to speak to them the other week because they are opening their own brewery. Now they've brewed beers already with Northern Monk Brewery and a few others. Dayer is another one. But now they have their own brewery, which is in this site, which will be opening in Manchester in a couple of months. The first question I asked was why Manchester, not Leeds? Leeds is where they began. We'll hear from them about the beers and how they've been brewing them for eight months, dialing them in 
if you want to drink them, you have to go to the restaurants to get them. They're not going to be packaging them. They're just going to be sold through their own four sites. I also dig into some bigger topics. In particular, at the end of the interview, I really wanted to speak to them about an article I read on a culture blog called The White Pube by a writer called Zarina Mohammed. The article she wrote was called I Hate Dishoom, and it kind of complained very well, very articulately about the gentrification of Indian food and Indian culture for white people like me. And if you look at Bundobust, despite being founded by a second generation Asian, which is incredibly significant, it is Indian food served in little pots with craft beer. So it's easy to make that assumption. But I wanted to ask them that question. And the answer is, well, you'll have to listen. That's in there. Anyway, I think I've waffled on enough for you. I think it's time to go to our interview with Mayo, Marco and Dan. But do stick around for the second part of the show after the interview because I'll be giving you my thoughts on the three Bundobust beers I've tried. Enjoy. This is a good one. Welcome back to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm with Marco, Mayer and Dan from Bundobust in the new Bundobust Oxford Road, Oxford Street. Oxford Street, I think, is uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna officially start naming it. Yeah, it's confusing really because um, Oxford Road Station's over the road, but this little part of the street is actually called Oxford Street. So. It's confusing. Stops everyone lining up at Oxford Road in London. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Well, it's, it's, I mean, you've got the brewery in right now. Before we talk about the, the beer, though, sorry, do you just want to introduce yourselves to the listeners so we know who's talking? Just yeah, say sure. your name and, and what you do at Bundo. Yes, yeah, so I'm May Patel. I'm um, one of the co-founders of Bundobust. I'm Marco Husak and also one of the co-founders. I'm Dan Hocking. I am not a co-founder. <laughs> Uh, I'm the head brewer at the new brewery site at Bundabust. Fantastic. And you've been in here, what, eight months now? Thereabouts. So tell me why you've been a restaurant since, a restaurant chain of, of three now, since 2013 when you started in Leeds. Why start a brewery? Um, I think it's sort of a natural progression, really, just when we set up Bundabust um, just about seven years ago. When we set up Bundabust in Leeds, we were, you know, big advocates of craft beer and Indian street food. At the time, still fairly new in pairing really good quality beer with, with, with good food. Um, and I think as we've sort of progressed and advocated lots of, lots of amazing breweries out there, we've, we've just found ourselves wanting to, um, to brew our own, sort of after, after learning from, from some of the masters that are out there. So I think the big question to start off with is you, you, you're a very, Leeds is very important to your identity as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I remember going to Bundo, I think it was back in 2013, not long after you opened. So why uh, is the brewery in Manchester? Well, we always wanted to do a brewery um, and, you know, the, I guess the obvious choice would have done it to have done it in Leeds, but we got um, shown this property that we're currently sitting in and we thought this would be the perfect venue to house a brewery and a restaurant. So, kind of circumstance really that this venue was presented to us. Yeah, totally. Um, I think this site, as Marco mentioned, it's just, um, it's got a beautiful amount of height, space, it's got that industrial nature. The location of it as well, we thought it'd be, um, we find Manchester's got these pockets of different areas and different different sort of eating and drinking areas. Um, Northern Quarter was always going to be ground zero for Manchester, but then we found when this site was presented to us, we just we could just see it, A, being too big for just a bundo, so we wouldn't want to do another one, and B, it just felt like it needed something um, industrial and certainly needed a brewery kind of slotted in there. It's been a challenge, but we've managed to get it in here. What's what's been the most uh, challenging thing about getting the brewery in? I mean, it's I mean, it's quite. It's not. How big's the brewery capacity-wise? It's uh, ten hectolitres. So. And how how did you actually get it in the building? Because it with great it, skill and dexterity. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a 
you'll also hear eventually there's a tiny little shutter door behind it. Uh, it came in in as few pieces as it breaks down into cradled between two forklift trucks over two or three days. Very stressful time. One hell of a dance. But yeah, it was um, <laughs> terrifying. I guess the walls were designed, you know, the space was a car park, so all the walls that you could see around were actually. This was a car park? Yeah. So <laughs> it's quite the transformation. We can show you through the door and you'll see the rest of the car park is just behind that wall. But it was literally, the floor wasn't in, the levels weren't here. So everything was designed as much as we can to make sure that the brewery would come in. Um, still was very complicated, but yeah, we've, we've managed to get it in. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. Um, so Dan, you're going to be brewing the beers. Yeah, that's um, right. Where, Tell me about the beers, and, and you've released three so far, so like, and, and right. they're not, they're, they're, there's, um, there's a, dare I say, an Indian twist related to the, the food uh, on, on the first three beers, so you've got, well, tell me about the three beers, it's probably best to hear it from you. The first three beers, we kind of wanted to, in a way, kind of set what we carry, wanted to carry on doing, mm -hmm. so um, kind of, Classic beer style is just done really well in a similar way to the way we do the food. Um, it's all quite authentic and quite original in a way. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to reflect that in the beer as well. So beer-wise, we've got uh, Pila, it's 4% pale ale uh, with uh, Azaka and Equinot. So that pairs really well with the, um, the spicier dishes. We've got the Dania Pilsner, so uh, kind of a pretty classically styled pilsner with toasted coriander seeds for a bit of citrus on top and the uh, chitro is probably the most daring of the first three so that's a nitro poured chai spiced porter um, uh, that's the one so I'm going straight to the Piccadilly site after this interview to try the beers because I've not tried them yet and that's the one I'm most excited about you should everyone loves nitro nitro it's, it's just a, a beautiful thing in all aspects it looks amazing uh, just the texture is completely different to uh, anything else you might have. Um, so yeah, we kind of wanted to smash together something innovative and something traditional as well. Uh, and Chaitro is what we came out with. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that strikes me as something that would pair really well with like spicy food. Like. like yes. That's what I'm. Ex that's what I'm expecting. That's the first beer I'm going to order. Yeah. I'm being honest because I want to. Actually, I, actually, it might be the second beer I order because I want to have the food in front of me when I try that beer and see how it plays with the spice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, we all started with a conversation with me and Marco. We were saying that we think like stouts, particularly nitro stouts, are just a massively underrated pairing with spicy food. Um, and we thought it'd be a really nice idea to kind of explore that a bit more and kind of put a real Bundabus stamp on it which is what we did. Mayur and Marco, how, how are you feeling about the beers so far? We're really happy with them. I think Dan's shown that he's a competent brewer. Um, <laughs> we have... Uh, sorry, Dan. Aw, thanks. This, we, <laughs> this wasn't meant to be an appraisal, but it is now. <laughs> it is now. Um, the test. I guess over the eight months, because we've been closed and we've had nowhere to sell our beers because our, 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 you know the restaurants have been closed, Dan's had a chance to... Uh, experiment and hone in the recipes so that kind of time that we've had has been a, a bit of a blessing in disguise I guess um, but yeah I think the first three beers are fantastic they're um, good examples of the styles um, really liking the Dania Pilsner the chai like we said we wanted to um, you know do something different work on a stout um, uh, as Dan says um, stouts are kind of underrated when it comes to being paired with spicy food but I think they're a fantastic pairing and yeah and, and I think we've made a, a solid 4% um, pale ale also. Was the food in mind when you made these first three beers? Were they, were they designed to pair with the, <coughs> the dishes? Yeah 100% I mean you know Dan, Dan joined Bundabus with, with, with he loves the brand he loves the food and he loved Bundabus before he came here and I think that was always front and foremost in his mind that he wanted to create beers that go well with our food without being right this beer goes with that dish i don't think we ever want to get there um it's fun you know pairing beers with indian food has always been a natural marriage i think for us it was just right we need to we need to up the game quality beer with 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 really nice 
spice levels of food, and, and each 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 beer should be something that you want more of as you as you sort of eating the food. So the little subtle hints of spice, like in the chitro, I think, are really play well with that food. The nitro smooth sort of mouthfeel, receptive palate. You want to go in again, have another spoonful of chat. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot more potential for us to play with it and play with flavors that work with our food. But I think as a launch set of beers, um, really really pleased. Like um, so far, the feedback's been incredible. Um, we were really confident before we launched them that, as Marco said, we've had a very the silver lining of this entire situation has been the fact that we've not had a pressure to sell the beer as soon as we've as soon as we've brewed it. So we've thrown a hell of a lot away. We've drank a lot of it too. Um, but yeah, it's just um, it's it's perfected to a level that I think we're really really pleased about. That feels really uh, a really positive modern approach. Like not just putting out the first beers you brew. Like act like actually doing R and D. That, yeah, it feels especially if people have such a high expectation of your food. I mean, I, as as I a as a regular to Bundo, um, when I go into one of your restaurants, you've set this expectation of consistency, which you, yeah. which I want to talk about a bit later on. But like, I guess that's already people who come to eat your food, that expectation's already there with yeah. the beers because they expect it from the food. Yeah, and I think also it's that whole you know I think being an in being seen as an Indian restaurant potentially then going into the brewery um, game I think um, I think I think that's where we wanted to make sure that they're both both as credible as each other the food that we have so much passion for and um, where it comes from needs to have the same sort of level of detail and, 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 and sort of background with the beer because it's not just right we're brewing beer it's we're brewing really good beer that'll stand toe to toe with our peers um, and that sort of was the remit from day dot, wasn't it? Which is why the kit that we've invested in is the best. Um, there's never been any shortcut, really. We want to make sure that it's 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 really out there. And this is an SSV brew kit. It is, yeah. Shiny steel vessel. <laughs> it's very shiny, very very shiny. Um, I want to talk to you about this venue as well because. The, the three restaurants you have already in, in Leeds, Manchester and Liverpool, they, they feel like bundos and this does too, but it, there's a slightly more, um, and we were chatting about this before we started the podcast, but it's more of a bar feel to it, more of a tap room feel to it. What was the intention behind the design of this new site? Um, I guess it's um, a couple of reasons. It's the second site in Manchester mm -hmm. and we love Piccadilly and from what it was to where it, you know, where we got it, it was again. We don't, we never take easy sites on. That was a real challenge. This particular site, I think, I think we wanted it to be more wet led, purely because the theatre of the brewery is in, it's on display. Um, you know, you, 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 from the street, you're going to see tanks. As soon as you walk through the door, you're going to see tanks. You can see the brew house whilst you're ordering your food and your beer. So we wanted to sort of play on that and make sure that it's got a really good wet led atmosphere but equally you know you should be more than comfortable in here having a pint of chai tro with no food but then also having a combo with six of your mates and you know a pint of everything so i think it's try to create that atmosphere so um and also not to be too industrial you mm. know it's still it's still finished it's still got bundabos detail brilliant like that, that was the first impression of mine when I, I walked in like whenever I go to, to Bundabust I want to sit down and eat some food and maybe have a couple of beers but I never think I want a beer I'll nip to Bundabust we are in Manchester where there's a lot of wet lead places so it, you know that's the temptation but here I would be like yes I would definitely just walk in here and have a, a pint of chitro however once I had had that I would probably smell the food and go well I'm gonna have a paneer tikka now because um, uh, have you heard about the hack that people are doing where they're just getting the, the roti and the paneer tikka making their own little kebabs? That's what I've been doing. Yeah, um, we've, <laughs> seen, we've seen that on, a, on social a media. Segway, but... Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of kind of hacks that um, customers or, or, or our teams have on the bread. They'll order this and order that and put it together. And we've actually, in the past, done like a staff invention 
menu. Um, so when staff order food on the breaks, they, they'll they'll experiment, and then we'll occasionally put it on the specials board. Um, what are some of the uh, the highlights that have come out of that? Well, the bhaji butty actually that 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 came about from um, a staff hack. Um, I think we did a kebab one. What else have yeah. we done? Um, we did like the remix specials. Do you remember that? We did that a while back, which were literally staff hacks. Yeah. That were that were just smashed together. I mean, sometimes some of the chefs are probably thinking, you know, what are you doing? Um, asking for a spoon of dal on top of I don't know a rag de pettis or something. <laughs> but these these sort of little. You know these little these little mixtures of, 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 of our menu items. I think it's fun. Like the badger butter is amazing. Um, which everything a pound a pound of every badger butter is donated to Action Aid, and we've done that throughout. It used to be an off menu item. Mm -hmm. um, that was just you know via socials, and if you knew, you knew. But now it's on the menu um, as a fixed item. So controversially, um, it's a bit of a confession. I prefer the badger butter to the vada path. Get out. Well, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> My partner Lucy is the same. She fixes. She 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 um she prefers budget butter. She's never been a fan of Adam Pav, but I was um, reading an article yesterday about In and Out Burger, and they're kind of similar with their off menu um, yeah. things. I don't know if we could do it to that level, whereas customers just order random stuff. I don't think we're able to cope. But I think it's a smart idea that the customer can. You know, choose and customise stuff, I guess. If you do ever do a double bargy butty animal style, I'll be the first person, like, <laughs> in here for that. I want to talk a bit about the culture of Bundobust and um, how important the North is to you. Because when I used to live in London, I remember asking you, Marco, like, would you ever open a Bundobust in London? And, and you were like, no, because... That keeping that consistency between the restaurants would be the, the biggest challenge. So, how important is being in the north? Being, you know, you, I mean, you started in in Bradford, really, at the Sparrow. Was that the? Tell me about the origins of Bundo and how the north kind of plays into that. So, um, the story of Bundobust is that Mayor, uh, as mum and dad, set up a, a restaurant in Bradford called Prashad in the mid 1980s. Um, May was involved in the kitchen and, and grew up in the kitchen. Um, and fast forward, I, bedroom, but what? I grew up in the kitchen just under the cupboard. Is that where you, <laughs> is that where you slept? Yeah. And I had, a, I had a bar in Bradford called The Sparrow that opened in 2011. And um, we did ale and, and craft beer, I guess 10 years ago. It was kind of one of the first beer bars up north. There was north. Bar, there was the Grove in Huddersfield, there was Port Street Beer House, um, Pivovar had the York Tap and Pivney, but apart from that, there wasn't many places to drink, you know, beer at a certain level. Um, but Mayer tweeted the Sparrow and asked if we wanted to do a, a beer and food pairing. Um, two Bradford based businesses, we wanted to do something together as a one off event. We went to Prashad with uh, some beers. Um, Mayor devised a menu with his family and we kind of did a six dish beer and food pairing event. And then Mayor came to the Sparrow to do more of a street food like thing. So we'd have beers pouring on tap and Mayor was dishing out some kind of more street food style snacks. And it was, it was a good, it was a, a success. And people kept asking us, oh, this is great. You should do this. Are you gonna open a place together? It's a great idea. So I think that's, that's how, how the, the seed was planted really. And after that, we did, um, we did a few pop-ups at um, venues in Leeds, um, just to hone the menu and the concept. and get the name out there and then we did the Leeds International Beer Festival in 2013 I think and that was kind of the first time we did an event actually as Bundabust whereas anything before that was um, the Sparrow and Prashad coming together so that's kind of when we launched the, the vibe. Prashad was that your business before? Yeah so um, my mum and dad um, they were sort of first generation um, so when they, when they arrived here my dad was a mechanic and mum worked, mum worked at Seabrooks, I think. No, no, she, she worked at a TV manufacturing site or something. And, and um, I think my dad's garage came up for sale from the university. It was like a false sale. They needed the land to grow the university in Bradford. And at that time, my dad was like, right, I think you've got... My mum was always a sort of the matriarch of any event or Indian festival. She'd be cooking up the 
food for the community. And my dad sort of saw that as you know an amazing, an amazing talent, and thought, right, let's open up a little deli um, in, in in quite an Indian populated area in Bradford. Uh, my brother now runs that and we've sort of moved, moved, my brother's ambition has always been to elevate and get that food up to um, you know, really high standard. At the moment they're at two rosettes and a bib come on, so they're really shooting for it. Um, and that's run with my sister-in-law and my brother. And at that time, as we were sort of, as Prashad was growing, um, I was also part of, part of that growth and very much kitchen focused. Um, Food development menus that was sort of that was sort of my bag, um, but then also I started to started to lose interest in the finer dining side and started to miss the deli. Um, so me and my brother had some conversations about well let's 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 you know let's have a little think about what that could be, um, and that's the point we got in touch with the Sparrow about an event to sort of see how we could channel this. We never knew that it was gonna become this partnership that we form now but at those early stages I got really excited about this going back to doing street food which is how the business originated. Mum and dad would be selling samosas for 25p out of the counter and you know it was really small little shop that I missed um, and I think that flows through into what we do at Bundo. And what was the original concept once you'd had those pop-ups and you're like hey this works when did you go let's open a restaurant and that serves Gujarat style yeah. Indian food with the latest craft beer. Like, wh when did that happen? How did that happen? Um, I guess it was through the, as Marco mentioned about the series of events that we did and pop-ups at people's bars and then we did Kirksville Bridge, Belgrave Music Hall, a um, couple of really bad ones as well where we just sat in the rain. But um, I think through that process, I think there was always there was always a plan to, to to sort of open up shop, and I think there was a, there was a potential property very early on that was introduced to us, Mill Hill, where we are now, in Leeds, and I think that being in the background meant that we had to hone the concept through these events. So branding, um, the the pot that you can see every dish is served in, that was that came about through one of these events because we ended up right. Well, we need to you know. We're looking at packaging. We had various different ways of plating mm -hmm. food early on. Um, and then we just thought, right, what if it was just this pot and every dish was made to go in there one way or another? And then that's how the menu was sort of developed to being small plates, sharing um, two to three pots per person. Sort of, it kind of it fell into place yeah. quite natural. And let's talk about the brand a little bit because that you've got you've got an incredibly strong brand, the too much spicy brand. Like, where does that come from, and and, and um, how do you make sure that comes through in your restaurants? Uh, in terms of the brand, I studied um, graphic media at um, university, and I used to sit next to a guy called James, who is who is the designer for all for all Bundabus stuff. But um, so in terms of the visuals something that you know we we all work together so Maya, me and and the graphic designer we you know we all hash out ideas and 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 get to a place that we're all happy with but in term in in, in terms of the language and uh, and uh, the the other stuff i guess it's just yeah i mean like i suppose in terms of the brand i don't you know the the look and the vision of it we're both really we're really detail driven if we're ever out and about in any sort of venue that's you know, we're really pulling that apart and we're looking at, at how the menu is printed, what it's on, how it looks, everything is yeah, really important to us. Dan, Dan's laughing. Because yeah, like. he knows how, how, how. <laughs> it kind of sucks all the fun out of a nice dinner. <laughs> in, a, in a nice scrutinising way. If you were to come for any meal out with the Patel family, it's just, it's hell. Because all of us are just like, it's just never These fun. forks aren't very shiny. Exactly, exactly. But, um, <laughs> No, I think um, the phrase is like too much spicy. Um, that's from our chefs. Um, so Matey in Leeds, um, he's he's been um, he's been with us since day dot. So seven years is the head chef in Leeds now, and and they, you know they've they've just come up with these really really good phrases and they just come into discussions or a customer would say it's spicy. I think Matey said it's too much spicy, and and we kind of just use 
use what, what our team sort of say and it's just a bit of fun and that's sort of where that phrase has sort of come from. Brilliant. And as I said earlier, when you walk into a bundo, it really feels like you're in a bundo. That brand is, is really strong and it, it really works. You can tell that you've gone to that level of detail. But the other thing that really strikes me is how when I've eaten at Leeds, um, in fact, from the, I can remember the first time I went to, to Leeds and I had uh, paneer tikka and I had bel puree. And I know if I walk into Piccadilly or Liverpool now, it will taste the same, as good, if not better. So how have you worked to maintain that consistency? Because that must have been you know, remarkably challenging coming from a relatively, you know, Leeds is quite compact compared yeah. to Liverpool and Manchester. So how have you achieved that? Robots. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I think it's, um, again, it's that attention to detail. Um, and I think our teams, fortunately, we've got a really good team that we've held on to throughout. So Gopi, for example, moved to Manchester, headed up the kitchen here but previously worked in Leeds, and, and now he's the group chef, so he now runs each side kitchen. Um, the recipes, the detail, it's, it's, I guess it's just lots and lots of, lots of work to put into, um, try to systemize things, try to, there's always gonna, we, we still notice variances, um, and I think we always will, but the point of that, I now think is we've got to a level where those nuances are, uh, I think real. Like now, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not wildly different in terms of spec. But now that shows that it's not in an industrial unit, and we're making massive batches of food and sending them in a van to each site because that's something that we will never do. They're still chef-led teams and kitchens. Um, each kitchen is still run by two to three people, um, rather than it being right. Can you just plate this up? Um, and I'd, I'd never get there, but I do think that. Um, I do think that it just takes just just taking a lot of time, a lot of time, effort, and um, and just caring about it. You know, we we've always wanted the experience to be the same at every bundle. You should you should feel like you're um, you should feel like a bit of a, a family of a family of restaurants. Brilliant. I think that's a good way to go into the the big question I wanted to ask you. Um, I read a piece a few months ago by Zarina Mohammed at uh, Arts and Culture blog The White Pew. It's called I Hate Dishume. And it's really interesting. I'm not sure how I, if I agree entirely with it, but then I'm, you know, I'm a white person that loves going to Indian restaurants and drinking craft beer. But it's called I Hate Dishume and it talks about the, you know, TLDR, the gentrification of, of Indian food for, you know, pe for white people, basically. And I, I'm really interested in your perspective of that because when, whenever I go to a bundo, I'm, you know, it's not just full of white people. It's, it, it does seem like a very you know, community-focused restaurant. So, so what's your opinion on that and where does, where does Bundabust fit in um, with that? So yeah, I remember reading it a while back and kind of a, bit, a mixture of emotions really. Look, I absolutely respect their opinion on it and I can, I can understand their perspective on it. Um, all I can say is that my personal view and perspective is I just think it's the evolution and the step, you know, as I said, it's my parents were first generation, they set up, they set up their little shop and my brother has now taken it up to the next step in that journey and I've taken it on to this next step in this journey and I just feel like there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just genuinely moving with A, um, what our interests are, it's not what, what I think the market is. I think this is genuinely what I want it to be. You know, it's not. It's not because right there was a gap and we went for it. It's 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 just the evolution of our food. And both Marco and I, we grew up in Bradford, which is very much a Kashmiri um, represented Indian market. Um, so you know, the traditional Anglo-Indian curry is is you know the best that's available is in Bradford, arguably. And I think there's still a space for that. There's still a space for the Gujarati shops in Leicester or Harrow in London. You know, there's, there's, there's absolutely space for all of this type of Indian cuisine. Um, and I just love the fact that it's become regionalized, finally. You know, you can accept that. You've, you've even mentioned it in this podcast. You said Gujarati, Indian-based food. No one would have ever said that before. They would have just said it's Indian food, big paintbrush, and everything that's from India is the same. 
So I think it's, I just think it's just, we're getting, you know, people travel way more and we're, we, you know, we know all of these variances, nuances, um, regional cuisines. And I just think it's the next step forward really. And I don't, I don't see it being a negative. I don't think that we're, I don't know, cultural, cultural appropriation or anything like that. I don't, just don't think it exists. I think it's certainly in our business, it doesn't. Um, I don't want to sort of say that we're really authentic and our chefs are all Indian or anything like that because that's not, that might not be the case, you know, the next bundle that we open because I think that it's something that we should open the book to. It's not a secret and not only Indians can hold on to it. Um, look at Italian food, look at French food. They're, they're cooked by everyone and anyone and we enjoy it and I think that's a really nice thing. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, that's a great point you made as well. Like, I literally learned about Gujarati food by going to Bundobos and going, this is different, what's this? So yeah. thank you for answering that, because it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a burning question in, in food at the moment, so I really appreciate it. And I want to come back um, with a couple more questions about, about the brewery, because um, now you're running three restaurants, with soon to be four in a couple of months' time, and a brewery, and like, is the beer just going to be for here at the restaurants, or you know, are we going to see it in cans? Um, Short answer, no. Um, we're quite limited in, in how much beer we can make at the moment, so uh, luckily that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted it to be a very Bundabus thing, so if, if you want to drink Bundabus beer, it's almost designed exclusively to go with Bundabus food, so it's kind of like part and parcel of the same package. That phrase doesn't make sense at all, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, it makes sense to me. So yeah, like, partly, We'll never be able to brew enough beer that we can send it off, have it packaged somewhere. We've got no space to stick in a packaging line here, um, as you will all see eventually. Um, and it, it, again, it's just designed to all go together as one nice big thing. I think it's a part of the Bundabust experience. Food, beer, music, lighting, customer service, everything under one roof. I mean, I think during lockdown, people have missed going out to restaurants and bars and you know people have been enjoying things at home beers and at meal kits but me and May had the kind of the realization that let's focus on getting um, guests back into the restaurants and making that the best possible experience that we can do so and beer is definitely going to enhance that experience and making it fresh and only available to our sites gives us something unique as well I think and I know there's a lot of places in America and Europe where you have to go to that brewery tap to drink that beer and I love that kind of level of you know it's it's kind of exclusive but it's not because you can come to Bundo to drink it I guess. It's yeah. a very clever plan you know I'm going to go and try the beers in a few minutes and you know I'm going to be like well I quite fancy a pint of Chitro and I, you know that's it I'm pulled in you know and then I suddenly got five or six pots of food in front of me yeah. and I'm calling my mates can you come and help me eat this <laughs> that's fantastic well I wish you all the best with the brewery uh, and my last question is Where's the next Bundo going to be? You know, what, what's next for Bundo Bust? Um, I think at the moment, obviously we're taking a breather because we've been holding this in back for a, for a year um, and we can't wait to show everyone, but we certainly want to, we certainly want to open more Bundo Busts. We just think that there's, um, there's, there's, there's a space in most cities for what we do. Um, and we genuinely think probably end up moving towards Birmingham within the Midlands is somewhere that we we think is a really exciting opportunity. Um, some of the operators down there are really good. I think something that we've not touched on with the brewery before is the collaborative aspect of Bundos since since, since we started. Um, you know we've always collaborated with other with other operators in, in the cities that we operate in so breweries, food venues, we've, we've kind of always done that. So we always want to be near good, um, like-minded operators. So I think that's where we'd, where we'd see ourselves. But yeah, I think Birmingham's probably the next spot. Yeah, that feels, it's not too far. It feels like a natural, natural reach. Well, brilliant. Um, Marco, Maya, Dan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. No worries, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thank you. So that was great. 
thank you so much to Maya, Marco and Dan for taking the time to chat to me. And thank you also to David Bailey, who does the marketing for Vondobust, who reached out to me and asked if I'd like to come and see the new site and chat to the guys. So really appreciate that, David. Thank you very much. So after the interview, I made my way from the new Oxford Street site, which will open in a couple of months. Where are we now? July. So look out for that late August, early September. There is no official confirmed date. They're going to open it when it's ready. But I went to the original Manchester site in Piccadilly, right opposite Piccadilly Gardens. They invited me to try the beers on them. Actually, before I left the brewery, I did try two new beers that had just been released. A new Keller Lager and a New England IPA called East is East, which I believe will one day be accompanied by a West Coast IPA called West is West. But I was really excited about trying the three beers on tap at the restaurant. And I started with Peeler. It's a nice 4% pale ale. That's about as much as I can say about it. If you want a slightly hazy, juicy, citrusy 4% beer, you can drink by the pint. It's really delicious. It's very of the moment. It's the kind of beer that a lot of people want to drink right now. They'll sell loads of it. I enjoyed it, but it was the other two beers that really caught my attention. You could tell they'd spent these eight months since they installed the brewery, really dialing them in. As we talked about, you know, their food is incredibly consistent every time you order it across the three sites. And they've been working hard to get these beers into a place of very high quality. Even though I said I was going to get the Chitro, I thought I'd have that last. I thought I'd save that for last because it was the one I was most excited about. So I had the Dania Pilsner, which is essentially it's a German style Pilsner. And you get a lot of that noble hop, spicy, grassy character, super snappy and refreshing, great with the food. But it has this extra note from toasted coriander seeds. So it gives like a floral aromatic, which is very refreshing. It doesn't have that coriander leaf character, cilantro, if you're an American listener, which some people might taste as being a bit soapy. But yeah, it added a nice little unique dimension to the beer that I really enjoyed. But as I thought, the chitro was the highlight. I love nitro stout. I have this really awkward relationship with Guinness because I try not to drink beer from multinational breweries. I try and support smaller local, more independent breweries. But I have a soft spot for the occasional pint of Guinness, something I learned about myself in lockdown, something I might explore in a future podcast. But Chitro is a nitro stout. So like a Guinness, it has that lovely creamy texture and and roasted malt flavour, maybe a bit more pronounced in this. It's a bolder tasting beer than Guinness. But the twist is that it uses chai masala for a little spice and fresh ginger. Now, I thought these would be quite strong, but what was really impressive about this beer was the restraint shown in using those ingredients. They were there in the background, but not taking away from it as a beer experience. It was still just a delicious stout that had a little twist. It wasn't too sweet. I was worried that it might be quite a sweet beer, but no, it was just the right side of dry. And it was amazing with the spicy food. One of the things I ate was one of my favourite dishes on the menu, which is the Gobi Manchurian, which is like cauliflower and mushroom pakora in like a umami MSG laden sauce. Quite spicy, really delicious. And that was so good with the chitro. It all was, to be honest. I had some okra fries as well and a few other bits. What really struck me was how well made these beers were, how delicious they were. It was obvious how much work had gone into their development. And I'm quite excited to see what that means for future beers. And the fact that you can only get them in Bundobust restaurants and there's no plans to can them or or distribute them. It's a very clever tactic, isn't it? This new restaurant, tap room for the brewery, it is the sort of place you would go for a beer, just a beer. And when I go to Bundobust, it's because I want to get the food and it's nice that they have the beer, but this is the other way around. But if I do go there... And I see someone order a a Vadapav or some Paneer Tikka. I'm going to want that. I think it's going to do very well for them. And it's a really cool site. So thanks again to the guys from Bondobus for chatting to me. And thanks for letting me try the beers. Before I go, one little bit of exciting news is that we got a little shout out in the Observer, which I had no idea about. And that was a thrill. 
if you've discovered this for the first time because you've read about us in The Observer, hello, welcome, thank you for listening. We are completely funded by our readers through Patreon. So Pellicle, this podcast and the magazine, we pay all our contributors a fair rate and we can only do that thanks to the kind support we get from our Patreon subscribers. And Patreon is a great way of funding the mag. If you think about old school print magazines that you used to subscribe to and you used to, you know, spend five, six, seven pounds a month and get your magazine, it's kind of like that, but it's voluntary. Pellicle is free to read and free to listen to, and it always will be. But in order to make the best content we can, we want to pay people to do that. And that's what we use your Patreon donation for. So if you treat it like a subscription to a magazine, then it might make a bit more sense to you. But every time we get a little bit of money, that all gets reinvested in the writers, photographers, illustrators that we have, and in our team, which is me, my co-founder Johnny Hamilton, and our new associate editors, Katie Mather and Lily Waite, who've been working on their first pieces, and they're doing a brilliant job. It's so great to have a team of four and just have people we can bounce ideas off, and that's all because of our Patreon supporters. So if you can spare a little bit every month, you can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash Pellicle Mag. And it starts from a pound a month. You can give as much as you can afford and it'll all go back into this podcast and our magazine, PellicleMag.com. Anyway, that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another interview, except it's not me doing it. Johnny has interviewed his friend, James Albon, who's one of our regular illustrators, and he's just released a book called The Gourmand. So they're going to be chatting about that. And then I'll be back a couple of weeks after that with a show all about my new book, Modern British Beer, which you may or may not know is out August the 12th. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in to the Pellicle podcast and I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.